SAFM, your COVID-19 lockdown talk radio station. Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. Thank you so much for staying with us. Um, we are going to put our focus a little bit today on the plight of the LGBTQ plus community. In light of what we've been seeing recently, the murders that we've been seeing, this is not new, by the way. Um, the murders of the LGBTQ plus communities have always been something that um, is a concern. Um, there was a time when it was quite rife and every now and then there is a dip and we forget and then a prominent case props up. It's not to say that the, the murders have stopped, but I thought it was important for us to just, you know, put a spotlight on the plight of the LGBTQ plus community and what it must be like to be a member of the LGBTQ plus community today in South Africa, and how do you and I inform their lived experience? Jay Judah Matlo is a gay black man in South Africa. He's 30 years old, and he's my very first um he's my very first guest this afternoon just to talk to us about his lived experience as a gay man in South Africa. Jay, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Pamela. Thank you for knitting my age. I'm 38, actually. What did I say? <laughs> I think you said 30, or maybe I misheard you. I, I, I also thought I heard myself say 38, but I mean, okay. may, you will pass as a 30-year-old. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Pretty much. I you beg your pardon. From the right angle. <laughs> I, I beg your pardon, um, Jay. Jay, w- what is it like for how, how you said you're 38? When yeah. did you open up? And I'm, I'm, I'm just hesitant about saying when did you come out because my understanding is that you would come out at different times to different people, right? Pretty much. Um, I think just maybe like a long story short is that um, I think I officially came out around about the ages of 19, almost 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I've fairly much, pretty much known that I'm actually quite a gay man at the age of about six or seven years old. So wow. of course I didn't know what, uh, the, the thing, that's the thing. I didn't know what to call it. But, yes. you know, as kids, you know, while other boys were chasing little girls, I was chasing a boy. So basically I discovered actually my orientation in terms of attraction to same-sex people around those ages of about six, seven years old. But Did then as you? a homosexual man, you, you, you quickly get told, this is not right. Yeah. Stop it, you know. D- did you have a reference? Had you seen anybody that looks and feels a little bit like you? And, and that's just it. Like, I literally had no role modeling of it. Sure. And that's why I say sometimes for people who are heterosexual, i.e. being straight, that's mm-hmm. where the privilege comes in because you're surrounded by a world where there's typically mommy and daddy in the house or your sister has a boyfriend or your brother has a... You know, you're surrounded by basically heterosexuality modeled around you so you don't feel... You don't have to question yourself. But then when you're a young person at the age of about six or seven years old and you find out that you've got attraction to same-sex people and there's no role modeling of it around it, you sometimes make you feel like you're you're made to feel indifferent. Mm. And then, of course, it extends to now people actually saying, because when you try to now sort of like live it out, then, you know, the family, the community, the society brutally tells you, you cannot be this, this is wrong, this is bad. Do you get what I mean? Mm. And then from then on, there's a form of now you start the process of being going inward now mm-hmm. you start to be in the closet so we, so we call it mm-hmm. so from the above age, ages of eight or so i've already knew that i was attracted to same-sex people but then i had to be in a form of a closet until 19 or 20 years old where i had done a lot of work on myself 
so that I can be ready to actually say this is who I am. What is that like? What is going inward and, I suppose, Mm -hmm. living a a life of pretense? That sounds like it to me, Um, especially at that (laughs) young age when so many of us are still trying to figure out who we are. Exactly. It can be very quite tough. I mean, like I've got... um, um, the idea is that like, you're made to feel like you are less than, you're made to feel like there's something wrong with you, you're made to feel very abnormal, especially coming from, you are surrounded by people from powerful positions where they actually sometimes even spew hateful messages. I remember one of my turning strong points that made me start to hate myself was when I was in church as an 11-year-old, and this is a pastor who has, you know, been very involved in my family, married my parents, for instance, baptized me, you know, all those kind of things. And here's a man who was saying blatantly that, homosexuality is a sin and homosexuality you're going to hell and things like that. So you can imagine for 11 year old mm. now listening to this community that are saying these things. Of course I started the journey of self-hatred and by hating myself, by hating this part of my life, I suppressed it and I tried to be normal, whatever normal is. And you can imagine in terms of like now when I'm getting to my puberty stages, the kind of things that I try to cope with, mm-hmm. you know, I became very vulnerable to abusing alcohol because I wanted to cope. Mm-hmm. I became depressed, you know, I've attempted to try to commit suicide even. So it was a very, very horrible internal mm-hmm. brutal process that Fortunately for me, I survived, yeah. yet, but some people don't. They end up like self-harm. How, do you, how did you at the time relate to peers, you know, friends? Did you make friends? Mm-hmm. Was it easy? Was it difficult? What, what was happening there? It was a bit of both for myself because also another thing is like, you know, when we're talking about LGBTI issues, it's actually quite a, quite a loaded acronym, you mm-hmm, know, because mm-hmm. um, this acronym is made up of other gender identities mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. others is actually sexual orientation. Mm-hmm. You know, for me as a, as a gay man, being, being gay mean I'm, I'm attracted to the same sex as me, you mm-hmm. know, but my, 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 my identity is still pretty much called cisgender. Mm-hmm. And by cisgender, I mean basically... Um, you identify as a man. Identify as a man, exactly, mm-hmm. you know. So I had sort of like, and, and I'm putting this in inverted commas, mm. I had the privilege to sort of like not be as visible mm-hmm. as opposed to a person who's transgender, for instance, mm-hmm. or perhaps who's quite an effeminate mm-hmm. gay man. Do you get what I mean? Ah, so, so you are I, not an effeminate man. I, yeah, well, well I, I don't know. It depends on the mood. <laughs> oh, and that's still fine, right? But but what you're saying yeah, yeah. is you yeah, could yeah. modify your behavior could, to fit yeah, in. But, but what I was disturbing by the fact that like I found myself having to extremely and all the time and brutally carefully edit myself, mm-hmm. you know, all the time. Mm-hmm. And what will happen also, I mean, if I'm in the closet as a gay man and I see people who are like me mm-hmm. and because I've sort of like been given so much hate from a young age in terms of like what people think about this, mm-hmm. sometimes this hate that we're given as young LGBTI people, we internalize it so intensely that we hate what we are and therefore we hate what we see in others. Sure. So, so it is, so you get homophobia that one internalizes, and then you get internalized homophobia. Wow. And sometimes it manifests itself in very, 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 very horrible ways. So for me and myself, I, 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 I fortunately, I had uh, a friend or two that I could always, you know, like, uh, who would accept me for who I am mm-hmm. and respect the boundaries. Mm-hmm. But also at the same time, I had bullies who would be quite brutal, you know. Mm. I still have like vivid memories of high school life of shaking because like there's a bully who's gonna threaten somebody about my whatever mm-hmm. or who's gonna call me very very mm. you know the d- d- uh, d- 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 terms yeah. and things like that so 
it, it was tough. It was very difficult. What, what was the family dynamics? Because you knew early, and I, mm-hmm. I often think family knows. I think people may, yeah. may not want to admit it and say it, but I, I definitely think, think that family knows. I think uh, you can see a child from a mile away, especially if it's your child. Uh, but, you may be in denial, but I think you would know. Yeah. But, but, but that's just it. And I understand where you're coming from, but that's just it. Because, you know, I think uh, like when I, when I look back, I mm-hmm. think uh, like I was quite a, like a very free child. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, you know, concept of what masculinity and what femininity is, it, uh, they, were, they were quite rigid per se. Mm-hmm. So I think I, I, as a child, I, was, I, grew up in a, I grew up in a home, um, a mother and sisters and so forth. Mm-hmm. And I was very, we were quite openly encouraged to be just be who you are. And yes. I remember like I, I, I played around with a lot of, there was no gender roles, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, we played with anything today. I played with the car tomorrow, I played with whatever mm-hmm. I wanted to play. Because mm-hmm. my mother wanted to like sort of like, she didn't believe in gender roles. She mm-hmm. believed like everybody needs life skills, mm-hmm. you know. So what happened was, but then as a child, I was so much of myself that I started to notice this feel very different when somebody from the outside will come in mm-hmm. and then I will see on how my family will be so protective mm-hmm. of me. Do you get what I mean? That's and why I think they knew. That's why I yeah, think so, they knew. So, yeah. so they, no, they didn't know that I'm gay per se, but they mm-hmm. knew that like I'm not a traditional boy, mm-hmm. you know, and we need to be very careful about sometimes even seeing like little boys who... Who, who act feminine, let's not say girly, they act feminine, or we see little girls who act, you know, um, masculine, mm-hmm. let's not say boyish, because that's, that's very trapping, mm-hmm. you know, and what's so interesting is that, like, for little girls, you know, girls are, they can get a pass because they can be called a tomboy, mm-hmm. you get what I mean, because mm-hmm. society accepts that, but then when it's the other way around, little boys, there's no such name as the term is called a tom girl, mm-hmm. and of course there are tom girls, but society denies to affirm those little boys who are quite feminine a bit, and because a boy is feminine does not mean they are gay or they are going to be gay. I get you. There are a lot I, of men who are you. quite feminine. Yes. And they also get bullied. Yeah. But they are not, it's not about sexual orientation, it's about, it's just about their gender, you know, presentation and mm-hmm. how they act and behave. So sometimes when we say like, they always know, perhaps they do. They, maybe it wasn't that. I know exactly what you're saying. I exactly, get it. I get exactly yeah. what you're saying. And, and that the, 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 yeah. the, the danger is for us to always want to put a person in a particular box when it may not necessarily be that. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. I fully, exactly. fully get that lesson. Thank you very much for that. Let me take a quick mm. break. I'm going to be back with you, Jay, and I do have other guests as well. I've got a spokesperson from the Commission of Gender Equality. I've also got Professor Anthony Brown, who's an Associate Professor of Inclusive Education education and life orientation at the Department of Educational Psychology at the University of Johannesburg. The lines are open. This is an open conversation. All I ask is that all of us be respectful. 011-714-2006. At SFM Radio and at Pimelo Mutile on Twitter. Jay Judah Motlo is a gay man. Um, he's been talking through um, all sorts of things. I mean, I think the lessons have been absolutely wonderful. He's 38 years old, and we're talking about his journey on this very same planet you, you and I are on and how it is for him. What are his lived experiences as a gay man in South Africa? Professor Anthony Brown is an associate professor of inclusive education and life orientation at the Department of Educational Psychology at the University of Johannesburg. There's also Jabu Baloyi, who's a spokesperson for the Commission of Gender Equality. Gentlemen, thank you so much for being with us. Good afternoon. 
Good afternoon, Pamela. Good afternoon, Pamela. So let me let me ask you, Jabu. Um, what we were hearing from Jay sounds to me like this is an experience of many, many gay men in the country. Why is it on earth that we still cannot accommodate what sounds to me like the lived experience of many, many South Africans? Um, we, thank you, Pimela, for that. We as a country aren't doing enough in order to deal with initially what when we started the campaign as a commission and the Human Rights Commission and others, we called it a hate crime mm-hmm. against people of uh, who are of uh, of different sex as concerned by what society perceives to be the normal sex. So as, as, as a commission, we feel we, there were not punitive measures enough to deal with it that decisively. We, we were just um, not too sure, maybe we're not too sure how big is the, the problem, but when people were killed, professors were killed, scholars, wonderful people in society, um, people in the West Rand, East Rand were being killed, we realized this was too big a sketch. Hence, the Department of Justice and Consular Development formulated a task team dealing with precisely this, bringing Commission for Gender Equality on board and others to say, what do we then do as a country moving forward? Because this is another sketch that needs to be arrested and nipped in the bud uh, before it escalates. However, we see it mushrooming again. We thought South Africans were coming into terms with this. Also, Pimela, let me hasten to say, we have got a serious problem with most pastors in South Africa. That inside the church and inside the home front, they fuel hate crime. Forgetting that South Africa is not a religious state. It is a constitutional democracy. It's a secular state. The rights of individuals are not biblical enshrined, but are constitutional enshrined. And that's where somewhere some of this hate crime because if I, I go to church and take the message to my friends who do not go to church and tell them about how I hate people of, of who are, are lesbian, gays, intersex, and others, then I fuel that, I take it, and some even write on social media platform to say, I hate great crimes, they are worse than pigs, like Mugabe used to say, gay people. So those are some, the utterances, the words, and the actions of some of our, our, our own people. That's where we need to, we're supposed to use our constitution and our court system to punish even the pastors. When they do something, we make example of them. They get to be arrested with their Bibles in, on hand to say, you cannot hate someone. Hate crime is punishable by law. It's an offense. South Africa signed a lot of conventions and protocols and declarations to say, we against hate crimes. Uh, every individual has got the right to live right to choose to be who they are and the right of association. So that's where is the cornerstone of everything mm. in Professor Brown, what is the loathing, the absolute sheer hate that we display for the LGBTQ plus community say about us? Why is it so deep? Um, Pamela, I think um, we have a constitution that on paper affirms and protects our diversity in South Africa, which is inclusive of sexual and gender diversity. Mm-hmm. However, our um, social ecologies have a deep-seated history of compulsory heteronormativity. Mm-hmm. If we look at from the birth of a child, mm-hmm. that's where heteronormativity starts. Is it a boy? 
Is it a girl? Is it pink? Is it blue? It starts right there. And so it goes all the way to primary school, to secondary school, and it escalates when people eventually enters adulthood. And so as they carry on through these different development levels, the, the education and I call it the informal education, intensifies on all levels, in the church, as Chabu said, in, at school level, in our cultures, in community, the social scripts, all of that fits into this compulsory heteronormativity, and any deviation from that becomes punitive and therefore we see it's punitive at a lower grade when you're in primary school if you're a better effeminate then the boys would not want to play with mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. if you're in secondary school you are an outcast they bully you if you are in adulthood they murder you so mm-hmm. it just intensifies and what we need is an education that will undo these compulsory heteronormativities that aligns our rhetoric, our discourses in South Africa with our constitution. Now, this is not something that should be done by a teacher. Mm -hmm. It should be done by our parents. It should be done by our uh, religious leaders, our traditional leaders. It's a national responsibility Mm -hmm. to embrace diversity on a sexual and gender perspective. And that has not happened. Let let me ask you this. What informs that? What what fuels that? Where does that come from? What is the history of of the origins of the people that have always existed, actually, in my, my reading, is that this is not new. But there seems to be this, this as you said, you know, it's, it's, it's obsessive um, from the minute you are born. In fact, I think even before you're born, people ask the yes. question, you know, what is it going to be? What is it going yes. to be? But it, it's not a new phenomenon. We, we've always had people who are, you know, gays and lesbians and trans and, 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 and many other complex um, identities. I mean, I don't know if I'm wrong, but I'm told uh, prehistory. There's always been, um, you know, a different uh, identity of sexuality. Why is it that it it brings up these emotions in people? The the issue is dominance or hegemonic powers. Mm-hmm. It is powers. It has to do with who's the majority. And what's the message that they want to disseminate? What's the behavior mm. that they would like to see mm-hmm. within a particular society? What is acceptable for them? What is privileged for them? Mm-hmm. And that is the part that needs undoing. Mm-hmm. And there's not enough troubling. So people with diverse sexual or non-heterosexual identities are left to fight for themselves mm-hmm. many times. Um, so we need more politicians to speak, to normalize speaking about this. We need more religious leaders who's not same-sex, of a same-sex sexual orientation or a non-normative gender expression to speak about this so that this becomes a mainstream discussion within the broader South African mm-hmm. ecology and not just the responsibility of queer civil society mm. to fight against the hegemonic powers that may be. So let's try it. Let, let's open the lines and ask those, particularly those who have a problem, to maybe articulate to us that we can understand or maybe we can share ideas. What is your problem with 
the people who are either lesbian or gay, transgendered. What is it that bothers you so much about the existence of the LGBTQ plus community? I'd love to hear your comments. Let's open the lines and let me go. Okay, we'll go to Romeo first in KZN. Hi, Romeo. Good afternoon and to all your guests there. Uh, Pumela, I just want to quickly ask before I lost my name again. I need to ask a question around from, I think it's the professor who said the whole thing started from when a child uh, being born, is it a boy, is it a girl? Mm -hmm. And from there, when are we going to realize that he is not, I mean, he is a lesbian or he's a gay? When, when, when is it going to be seen? Because we grew up together knowing that he is a boy, and we grew up knowing very well that he, this is a girl. And can this be uh, detected at the age of nine so that he, she can be, he or she can be placed to the right position before uh, the growth of hatred begins among us, the LGBT? Can I answer that? Yes, go ahead, go ahead. Um, can, can I jump in? Is it, is, it, is it Jay? Yeah, this is Jay. Jay, I'll tell you what, uh, let me go to a, a, a quick break with uh, the headlines. Romeo, don't leave, stay with us. I'll be back with that and, and Jay, I'll give you a chance to respond. It's one thirty. it's 2.30, I beg your pardon. You're listening to Pimelo Mutini on SAFM. All right. Thank you so much for staying with us. Um, we had a caller, Romeo, from KZN, and uh, I, I hope you were able to hear it uh, well, Jay. Every now and then, I think I kept losing Romeo, but go ahead. You wanted to respond to Romeo's question. No, like I found... Uh, yeah. Thank you, Pamela. Um, I'm just like, um, I want to allude to what she was touching on in terms of like, when basically does people know when a person is gay or lesbian? And I think there's quite a, um, a confusion between understanding what biological sex is versus a person's attraction, which we call sexual orientation. So like um, the professor said earlier on, you know, the socialization of how what boys should do and what girls should do, you know, the blue and pink um, ideology sometimes can be harmful for people who don't fit those boxes. But then when, when you know, LGBT people are also, you know, born and also get social, um, you know, socialized, socialized and things like that. But when it comes to around attraction is that when you talk about attraction, attraction is a discovery. All of us, we have different ages where we discover who we are attracted to at mm-hmm. different ages. Mm-hmm. And what happens is like some people who discover that they're actually heterosexual, meaning being straight, you know, you get sort of like a... Um, um, you get affirmed, you basically get a handshake as if you accomplish something from your family, from the community to society. It normalizes, it normalizes you. But for those individuals who discover that they've got attraction for same-sex people or attraction for both sexes even, trouble starts right there, you know. There's no accommodation for that. You're quickly told that is not right. So, and once you touch on that, then you start to say, perhaps start to edit yourself. So there isn't a, like a pinpoint like, um, age where you will say a person is gay or lesbian. The, per- the only way to know a person's attraction is if they themselves tell you that they are LGBTI or they, they, they've got those attractions. So we cannot rely on how a person acts or behaves and assume and conclude that a person might be, LG- might be LGBTI because that's a very, very dangerous 
platform that we're going to be playing on because now we're going to be shaming little boys who are quite effeminate or little girls who are quite masculine because now we want to assume and conclude what other attractions are at. At that age, they probably don't have attractions yet mm-hmm. even. Mm-hmm. Do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's that danger there that mm-hmm. there is no point to pinpoint at what age what a person is. We discover our attractions to people at different ages. Some youngest eight, some 10, some 12, some 14, some 50, some even in their 40s, they discover who they've got attractions towards. What the difference becomes is your attraction allowed by society. And that's where the trouble starts. Romeo, does does that satisfy you? Romeo? Yes, but I wanted to quickly ask this question so that I can drop and give others a chance. Okay. I wanted also to say the lesbian and the gays uh, in Africa, uh, I'm talking to the professor now and any other experts in terms of their expertise when it comes to research. When did we come to know about this thing? Because it looks like the hatred continue among the gays and lesbians. It's if like this thing started uh, maybe in the 19th century or 20th century. And yet, maybe in Africa, it has been there or it was not there. All right. Thanks for that. Um, Professor Brown? Yes, um, I think that is a very important question. Uh, Pimelo, um, thank you for that question, Romeo. Same-sex or sexual diversity Mm. has always been part of the African identity. If we go back to our first inhabitants of the African identity, uh, uh, continent, we will see on the rock arts of the Khoi and Sun people, there are drawings of same-sex identity. That is how far it dates back. And there's sufficient information uh, uh, based on the research that sexual diversity has always been part of the African uh, identity. When the Europeans and the missionaries arrived, they came with Sodomy as a law to tell us this is carnal and this is unacceptable and we have to undo this. And since that, they induced religion into the African context uh, and continent to start hate who we are and what we are. And that's where the hatred for sexual diversity has started. It was always part of the African continent. Hmm. All right. Let me go to Colin, who's calling from Cape Town. Hi, Colin. Good afternoon, Pamela, and Hi. your guest, Pamela. Uh, I've got two questions. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you got a psychologist there, haven't you? Um, yes. Um, oh, go ahead okay. with your co- question, uh, Colin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me. Um, I'm 74 years old. I'm talking about 50 odd years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, our neighbours had two girls. They were about six and seven. And then on the other side was a little boy. He was also about that same age. And he got a liking to play with dolls and wash dolls and rock him to sleep and so and so and so and so. Now he grew up and he didn't grow up. He was every day playing housey housey and things like that. And somebody said to uh, his mother, uh, I think you better have a look at a little boy of yours. Because he started to talk like a little girl and things like that. Now, my question is this. When parents see a sign like that, and he did become gay later on, he did, 
he did, but he was, um, the parents were warned by other neighbors. And uh, he became gay, he met a gay guy, and he became a housewife. They weren't married, but, and I used to walk down the roads going up when I saw him, he's sweeping and all that. And I said to him, hi, how are you? Ah, so and so. And uh, I wonder where he said, husband or wine. You know, he, he behaved like a, a housewife. But I mean, I saw that when he was about five, six, seven years old. And now I've got a cousin, a cousin who's gay now, but he wasn't gay. He had a girlfriend and he was engaged to her, everything like that. And he was so in love with her. And when she broke off everything, he just went against women and he became gay after that. Now, I would like um, your psychologist to, uh, to answer those questions, please. Is it possible for a guy to be straight and after a disappointment to a female become gay? Thanks, Pumela. All right. Um, would you like to start, Professor Brown? And, and maybe I will give also Jay um, a yes, chance I, to I, I absolutely find the, the questions very interesting and, and really appreciate that. And, and many people in our society sit with these questions and we need to give clarity on mm-hmm. them. So, so thank you for that. First of all, um, if I listen to this question, it originates very much from the notion of compulsory heteronormativity that you either should be this Mm. or you should be that. And the moment you deviate, Mm. there's a cause of that. Um, There Mm. is no factor that could shape or influence um, your expression and influence your sexual attraction. It is a development and it's part of your personal development. Um, No social attraction or engagement can change. You don't become gay you discover your sexual uh, uh, attraction and your expressions and but because we live in a society that has very strict boundaries around social scripts along gender lines and expressions along gender lines we always look for a reason to justify what has caused this and i call it deviation and, and, and then look for a reason to punish that. But the short answer to the caller is there's no association, no um, child rape during or, or sexual violence during childhood or disappointment can uh, allow you uh, to become. There's no becoming of gay. I just want to bring in a personal point here, Pimelo. Mm-hmm. I am a gay man myself. Mm-hmm. I was married for 10 years to a woman mm-hmm. because I wanted to fit the social script to be accepted. So often the issue is not becoming gay, the issue is more becoming heterosexual. And because you do not align with it, it's not who you are, you later on embrace who your true self mm. is. Yes. That's and such also, a, we'll yeah, go yeah. there. We'll go there in a minute. Jay, you want to maybe respond to um, the caller before, Colin, and then we'll go to those decisions that one has to make and some people have made to accommodate society. Jay? Yeah. No, I'm like, it's a very, very, actually quite commonly asked questions or rather speculation because typically people look, look at things from the outside and from the context of heteronormativity because the atmosphere becomes like the strong assumption is that everybody is heterosexual mm-hmm. and must be heterosexual and everything else is a default. That means something goes wrong. 
people never ask what goes right. Do you get what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's closely linked to the idea that, like, when we're talking about the term coming out, which is when a person decides or actually gets to a point where they're comfortable enough to tell the next person or to live that truth that are actually this is who they are. So remember, as LGBTI people, it's quite a, um, a, a, a minority group in a sense that... Uh, the world around us, it's so heterosexist. So we internalize the heterosexism so much and so intensely that we actually do want to become heterosexual because, trust you me, it's less stressful to be that. Because in this country, if I live my truth, I get killed. So it's different journeys for different people. Some people will come out. Some people will come out later on in life. And maybe when they are ready to come out, they've already built their life with perhaps maybe another partner. Do you get what I mean? Or maybe they have babies or something like that. But then it's about a person living their truth. And, but but, but, but the, the point is this, that when we're talking about coming out, some people will come out. Some people will never come out. Mm. And both these scenarios are good enough because... There's not enough support to people to live their truth. Because whenever you live your truth, the default becomes something went wrong. Something mm. must have went wrong. Mm. Do you get what I mean? And that on itself, it's very toxic and very, very harmful. Yeah, well, let's talk about the, I mean, w- what I'm seeing. Um, there is just um, a plethora of messages coming through, both on Twitter, on messages and so on. And many of these are looking for clarity and I'm going to call it clarity, but to make sense of what they want to understand. And I'm kind of wanting to ask the question, why is it so important for all of us to to understand what the other person's lived experience is? Why is it so important for us to box people so much? Jabu? Dimela, we, we have got a, a very serious challenge in South Africa. Because, you know, most of the people, I, I've listened to this, I've heard people on the ground when we engage with them. And this is a question of trying to please the second person, and trying to please society, and our people end up not becoming who they are and not true to themselves. And those are the issues why such questions arise. Also, we need to look at the education part of it. We have got different kids who go to school, and when they go to school, what is it that the educators some of the educators who get excited, some are saying um, and say wrong things to these kids, and they end up bottling the emotions inside. Yes, you can see some of the kids at seven, and you think this child is is gay, and then you conclude. Later on, realize it's not the case. I've I've met people within my field, you think they're gays, and some you think that, you know, they're they're straight or heterosexual, yet they're not. Um, The issue here is that we need an education system that will open up about the issues of gays, lesbians, intersex people, so that we can all be accommodated. Because at times we are using our own hatred, we are using our own judgment on other people, hence we're asking this question. We need to talk about issues of lesbians as a, as a people, as a country, openly and broadly. Hence you find Prof saying he was married because society put pressure on him to be something that is not. And also you find that people are still stuck in loveless marriages because we want to judge them because of our stereotypical mentality, which is a preconceived, predetermined, and we think that, you know, we are better off. And why, who, who says that, you know, being a Torontal is that it, 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 it's the only thing in life? And those are some of the things that 
when we do education programs ourselves as gender commission and the human rights commission and others we need to bring to the fore our openness and remove ourselves from the the, the, the whole scenario and use the constitution of the republic and open up all avenues for people to live and coexist it has been there during rock art it might have been there during the bible some people are saying it must be it's continuing to be there throughout the world in other countries it's you know you you don't hear these things where people it's easier to take somebody's life because they're gays and lesbian it cannot continue to in this trajectory female mm-hmm. we need to find an answer to this, to this this case let's take some voice notes that are coming through maybe we'll go through one at a time uh, good afternoon, Pamela. My name is Sipo. Uh, I'm sorry to ask this question. Maybe it's going to offend your guest, but I just want to know in general uh, if he's attracted to other male as he's a gay. How does he know that that uh, male is attracted to? Okay. Did you understand that, Jay? No, no, I got like, like, how do you know basically if you're a man in a tradition with another man, right? That's what I get that. I think, I think he also means how do you know that the man that you're attracted to would be attracted to you too, as in Oh, okay, I see the angle, I see the angle. And like, that's typically, (laughs) that's typically exactly what happens because, you know, uh, I mean, if we were like to be blind, nobody's written on their forehead that they're straight or heterosexual, mm-hmm. all right? Mm-hmm. So, and also, and there's another angle when we're dealing with a lot of hate crimes and hate speeches is because also as LGBTI people, we don't know, we don't, we don't know who also is LGBTI, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And sometimes people come to think, especially heteronormative people, heterosexual people, they tend to panic mm-hmm. when basically somebody should... They get offended, the, actually. They get, exactly. They get offended, yeah. So, so basically the fear now becomes what the hell did this other person see in me to make them think I'll go for that. Mm-hmm. But then what the person is actually forgetting is that you are a person, you are attractive, you will attract different kinds of people. You won't only attract your type of person. It's like if you're a ah, um, heter- I get you. it's, it's yeah. like if you're a heterosexual if you're a heterosexual woman and then um, you're attracted to men. Of mm-hmm. course you're not attracted to all men. Mm-hmm. So if a man who's not completely your type says to you, I like you, mm-hmm. you don't feel, you sh- the, the question shouldn't be about us, it should be about saying no, thank you. And you. if this man yeah. persists and becomes very difficult, then you don't definitely attack their sexual orientation, do you? You attack their behavior. Yeah. So same goes, if I'm a gay man and I see another guy, or maybe I've been spending a, a, a mini meeting and halfway through the meeting, this man has been speaking the most amazing sense, you know, this attraction, this intellectual attraction, this physical attraction, attraction is very layered. So now if I make adventures at this gentleman and say like, um, would you like to go out for coffee? And now if this man shoots me, do you get what I mean? Mm. So whereas, why can't he look at it as something like, you know what, I'm flattered, mm. but I am not like that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then two scenarios, if now Jay goes and makes this man feel uncomfortable and keeps pushing boundaries, then you do not take the fact that I'm gay. You attack the fact that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a horrible mm-hmm. behavior. You don't person. understand boundaries. So you, you, exactly. Yeah. So don't attack the identity. So what happens, which also strongly fuels hate speeches and hate crimes, is that people are always on the urge forgetting that they are attractive and they will attract different kinds of people, yeah. including LGBTI people too. Yeah. I so it's all about saying, you. no, thank you. I and hear that's you. It. And maybe so, that for me is a question for, for those who are listening. So what is so offensive when a gay man says, I'm attractive to you? I have seen 
people lose it. Um, when I say lose it, I mean get violent. Get they just get so offended by that. What is it about um, you know being uh, you know being attracted, being attractive to? A gay man that is so offensive to you. I'd love to hear from you. 011-714-2006. Life happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. Let's go straight to the calls. Mike, you're calling from Durban. Good afternoon. Yes, yes. Uh, good afternoon. I just want to find out mm-hmm. what happens when a gay man wants to use a restroom or a toilet. Mm. Does he use the same one as a normal man? Yes, if he is a gay man and is identifies himself as men as a man, yes, he does. Is he does he use the same one as, as a normal uh, man? He is a normal man. Yes. Oh gosh, isn't that boring? You know, my father told me when I was a little boy, "Don't bend for a friend." I don't know how these guys are going to use the same toilets and they're going to screw one another. That's been, that's been very vulgar, Mike. I think that, that, word, is, that word. I think the word is it's very inappropriate for radio. Why are we being pushed on, pushed on our throats with this? You don't have to listen. You actually don't, Mike. I don't think you need to be offensive. I think we can listen to your opinion, but I don't think you need to be offensive at all. Uh, Silo, you're calling from Mokopane. Hi. Yes, Amanda. Hi. Look, go ahead. Yes. Look, I, I do think um, when we start to calling gay people or gay. Uh, wait at things and not acknowledging or gay people are gay they are people mm-hmm. and the likes of Mike is not the first time I call in and I'm not going to thank for my friends that's nonsense look um, the, the, the question that someone asked about when um, did we find out about gay people in Africa one go to Uganda can share you a story of a king from um, I think Mwana um, one or two for book of um, Buganda says Pimelo. You can go and read it. He was a gay man, and I think it was eighteen um, centuries there says Pimelo. So if we are still going to try to persuade people or to uh, make them think or try to accept gay, it is their problem. Gay people they are here says Pimelo. Did not come from heaven and fall off here. They have been born by a man and a woman. So this whole hatred of gay people and lesbians, I do not know where it comes from. Lastly, I do not have a problem when gay people approach Mr. Timolo. Just two weeks, I was talking to KTM and AD um, uh, just a day back. I tell them I was approached by a gay man. I don't have a problem with that because I'm not gay. I just said, dude, I'm fine. Don't worry. I'm not interested in you. So I don't understand why can people just accept that gay are here and then accept that gay people, they would live their life the way they want to. They are not going to be um, the, uh, discouraged by the so-called... No, this thing is just... It makes me sick, man. Thank you so much really. for that, Silo. Let me go to some voice notes. The issue is not that uh, we are... I personally am against gays and lesbians, but the problem comes where I am made to understand that I should accept how they live, but they don't want to accept how I am living. That's where the problem starts, because now they are enforcing their their beliefs unto us, and they don't want to accept when we now retaliate, then it becomes that it becomes like a problem that we are pulling them, or we don't want to, under, to we don't want to understand how their how their sexual orientation is. 
So let me ask you, Jabu, here, because I, 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 unless if I'm wrong, but I don't know gay people <coughs> to have forced other people um, into accepting their lifestyle. They're just saying, let us be. Am, am I wrong in that understanding? Pimelo, I have got lots of gay friends. I work in this field, you know, very well. The respect that gay people will say to you uh, and the way they approach you, 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 you will answer them with humility and say, no, I'm, 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 I'm not gay. Um, I'm, I, don't, I don't have uh, feelings for you. You answer them with respect. They don't, they've never, they've never forced anyone. I might have more than 50 gay friends within the circles and we go hiking, we go jogging. They, they will tell you how they are, how it started, and open and honestly. So the problem part is that, you know, it's, it's, it's a hatred towards gay people that has been both embedded in our hearts because somebody has told us that, you know, it is wrong to be gay, it is wrong to be this and this. And I, I, if I, I saw which, lo and behold, that the last caller can also learn to be sensitive enough to listen to when they approach. They will approach you, wear a nice trousers, you wear nice shorts. They said, oh, I, lo- I love your legs. Hey, and say all those kind of things. And the one thing I like about gay people is being respectful. And when you say no to them, that you're not interested, they draw the line. And we continue the friendship without any whatsoever qualms. And they don't have a resentment. So those are some of the things that, you know, we need to educate people. Because they think that gay people will follow you to the bathroom and say, hey, I'm gay. Don't you want to be in a relationship with me? It doesn't work like that. So those are some of the things that, you know, we need to educate and calculate the culture of understanding and saying that, you know, we are different people and also be accommodative to each other. If they cross the line, tell them that they cross the line. Don't resort to violence because violence begets violence. So it won't help. You will be shocked that how many people were beaten by gay people thinking that they are of, weak, of a weaker sex. So those are some of the things that, you know, we need to educate people and call, call, call people out when they show hatred because these things, you know, manifest itself to the younger generation because of our own self-hatred. But Professor Bowen, um, I'm going to ask you a personal question since you brought yes. it up. Do you have guilt? Do you have regret for having been married for as long as you were um, to um, a woman? Can I, I will answer this, and I promise you I'll answer this, mm. but can I just quickly jump yes, to the sure, bathroom sure, issue? Sure. Uh, Pimela, one of the biggest problems is that um, gay or non-heterosexual people have been hypersexualized. Mm-hmm. Their lives are seen through mm. sex, and that's mm. all they want. Mm. And so when they go to a bathroom and they see another yeah, man, yeah. it's almost automatic that they want to sleep with mm-hmm. this man. Mm-hmm. It does not happen like that in the real world, as it does not happen for a heterosexual man yeah. who finds a woman in a separate space that he would want to sleep with her. So that is one of the problems that gay women, the, the non-heterosexual people are skewed uh, positioned and constructed mm-hmm. and we have very false and inaccurate uh, understandings of queer people. Yeah. Coming back to your question, yes. um, do I feel guilty? I didn't have enough understanding. I grew mm. up in an era where I only knew that the opposite sex, that is what you need to be attracted to. Mm-hmm. And I was told in church that this is sinful mm-hmm. and I was a very religious person. Mm. I was told by my family it's shameful, mm. and therefore I should not uh, engage with uh, such uh, behavior. I was told in my social society or my social scripts that this is unacceptable. Mm. And so I followed what was the norm. Mm. And after Have I you forgiven my, yourself? 
I have forgiven myself. It was a long journey. Mm. I, I must say to you, I had to go through conversion therapy. I mm-hmm. was taken to a traditional healer. I was taken to church so that they could pray out these demons. Mm-hmm. So I've been subjected to a whole lot of violence. So the violence is not just the physical violence mm-hmm. that we see on the street and the murders that we, we now see in our different societies. It is also those systemic practices such as conversion therapies, such as prayers in our church, traditional healing. Those are forms of violence that LGBT people go through, and it's often initiated by the families. Sure. I I thank you so much, all of you, for your contribution to this conversation. We just didn't have enough time. Jay Mudro, thank you so much for your openness to this discussion. Jabu Baloy, thank you so much for everything. Professor Brown, really appreciate it. We've run out of time. Thanks, everybody. Aldrin is already here. We're so sorry we're late, Aldrin. No problem. Very important conversation because in different spaces, um, you almost required... It almost seems like a prerequisite um, that you need to justify your existence and your being. It's sad. Mm-hmm. Um,